0: This is Danny Korchmar from The Immediate Family. And I'm Steve Postel from The Immediate Family. And I'm Leland Sklar from The Immediate Family. Hi, it's Wadi Wachtel from The Immediate Family.
1: Hi, it's Russ Kunkel from The Immediate Family. You're listening to Your Morning Coffee, the podcast with Jay Gilbert and Michael Etchart. Weekly music news for the new music business.
2: From Music Biz Weekly, Spotify and fellow music streamers strike agreement with publishers for 15.35% go-forward royalty rate in the U.S. of A. From HypeBot, fake musicians inside a million-dollar Instagram verification scheme. And from Digital Music News, how to get signed to a record label. Ooh, that'll be fun mm-hmm. to talk about, Jay, since we were oh, both musicians yeah. and worked at record labels. So we've got a lot to cover today. It's a hot, hot day here in Southern California as Jay and I were recording, wow. but we are glad you are here. So we are going to both push the start button right
1: about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London Calling. Wake up! Your morning coffee is on the air, 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 for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority.
2: As I mentioned, Jay, it is toasty <laughs> warm here on a Sunday as we record this uh, episode. <laughs> it is
0: really hot. Yes. You know, I just got off the uh, off the road. I did three shows in in four days. With the tour, which is Rick Springfield, Men at Work, and John Waite, and when we were at one of the venues um, up north, it was a Thunder Valley Resort in Lincoln, California, outside of Sacramento.
2: During sound check outside, it was 103 degrees. Oh gosh, yeah, it's hot. It, it it is hot. I mean, it's always warm in Southern California, and we and this you didn't grow up in Southern California, but I did, and I this kind of weather always hits right about now. And I remember it going, you know, it would be the first week of school. And and I grew yeah. up in an era where, yes, we had the heat, but we had no air conditioning in the classrooms. And it's just so, for me, evocative of, of going back to school, the school year, because it always seemed like the first week of school was just blazing hot. Just brutal. It's brutal. It's Southern California, but it's a dry heat, right, Jay? <laughs> well, that's what they say. But this...
0: This little uh, I caught the tail end of this tour because um, I've worked with you know Rick Springfield for many many years and and same with John Waite. and what a wonderful uh, it's, a night. And, it's a great package
2: it's a great yeah. package and uh, have
0: you been to that new uh, YouTube theater it's it's attached
2: to or part of SoFi Stadium, the new stadium. I've walked by it because I went to a football game there, but I have not been to a venue. I've heard good things about it. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely stunning.
0: It holds about 6,000. And that was the first night that we went to. It was just so great to reconnect with you know the band and management. And it was just such a wonderful show. And what I noticed from all of these shows is all of the smiles on the yeah. faces of these people in the audience they're, you know, some of them, they're just now going back to seeing live shows and to have this
2: familiar music that they grew up on. It was just a a joy. There are so many tours out and so many shows that I've, I've, I've been to a ton of concerts in the last six months and there's so many that I've missed. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So it's, it's kind of neat that, that that this is a a really great package tour. You can kind of, get three bands for, for the one event. And, um, Oh, and they're, they're all so good and
0: they have so many songs that we love. The, the second night was, uh, at the city winery outside of San Jose in a town called Saratoga. And, you know, I think the building's like a hundred years old. It's on the top of this hill and it's surrounded by vineyards, uh, again, outdoors, just stunning. And while I was there, I got to visit, uh, the new Apple headquarters, you know, that spaceship-looking building. I saw building. the
2: picture. And, and, uh, yeah. we, we, well, we should also mention that, that we are both complete Apple and Mac fanboys and have been for a long, long, long time. So you, yeah. you got to go to Mecca. <laughs> nice. Now, I had been up there, you know, I've been
0: going to their offices yes. for business for many years, and one of my favorite things to do there at One Infinite Loop is they have uh, a store, and you can go in there, and it's like an Apple store that you would see anywhere, except that they have a few things that, for us fanboys, like they have some coffee mugs and t shirts and pens and pads and things like that. And in the old days, they had a whole lot more of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now they have, you know, maybe a dozen items or whatever. So they have that, but then they have this visitor center, which I hadn't been to before. And this new visitor center, has a wonderful coffee shop and it sh- it looks like an art museum. I mean the architecture is just beautiful, but you can go on the roof and it's all, you know, fine wooden chairs and everything and it kind of overlooks the new spaceship um offices. Wow. And for an Apple fanboy like me to you know, go up there and visit the uh the Mecca and have a cup of coffee there and to
2: just see those new offices yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow, good for you! I'm uh, color me jealous for sure. But you know, as as we're talking about being Apple fanboys, when we when I started at Universal, so this is in 1999 in the you know the division that we were work at, which is kind of the Advanced Tech Group. Um, that was one of the questions they asked me: Are you? Do you? What what computer system do you use? And there were uh, all of us in that group were all Apple fanboys at a time when that was not very common you know you forget that Apple no, for a good not corporate no Apple for a long time was not doing very well and um, it's it's funny to think back to those days now because they are such a yeah. dominant force um, but but that was kind of our little group of people we were all apple fanboys yeah. and uh yes sir look, that was pre-ipod or no the ipod maybe had just come out but way pre-iphone yeah what a fun trip yeah. that must have been though i'm i'm uh, totally it, it was
0: just uh you know I'm, I'm such a fanboy it was so much fun let's uh let's thank uh, those gentlemen in immediate family for that cool cool intro and for those of you that don't know immediate family you may not know that name but you certainly know the players or you've heard them on all of your favorite albums for decades it's you know danny Korchmar on guitar it's leland sklar on bass russ kunkel on drums waddy Wachtel on guitar and steve postel Uh, on guitar and these guys have been on just all these great tours, all these great albums. And there's a documentary coming, and I'm super excited for this. They've got a new album coming too. Uh, but this documentary that's coming um, is directed by Danny Tedesco, who you might remember from The Wrecking Crew back in in 2008. So this fa- uh, Immediate Family documentary, you can learn more about it at immediatefamilyfilm.com. And I highly encourage you to go check this out because you'll see that the people that they've played with that are in this film, you know, I'll just name off a few. Uh, David Crosby, Keith Richards, Stevie Nicks, Phil Collins, Jackson Brown, Don Henley, James Taylor, Carol King, Linda Ronstadt. I mean, the list goes on and on, and I was telling you before we hit record that um, I think it was New Year's Eve, there was a concert on, on TV, it might have been CNN, I think, and it was James Taylor and Carol King, and it was wonderful, but the band, is these guys that I just mentioned, right. Immediate Family. Yeah. And for for musicians, um, they're like musician musicians, right? Yep. Um, so again, you may not
2: know those names. Some of you will. Um, but they are part of rock history. Absolutely. And I know you photographed them. I had a chance to interview them for some NPR stuff. And they are just also such charming guys. <laughs> they're all really nice. And they have such fun funny and wonderful stories and you know they've they've all all five have lived the dream boy and continue to live the dream that we've as growing up as musicians you know when you're kids they've all done what we wanted to do and they just are are lovely lovely people charming just very kind and uh, I wish them all the best it was you know they're just so nice and fun they have just funny stories uh, they're just Great people, yeah. So fun just stuff. The,
0: the amazing things that they've uh, done, recorded, toured, all of that. I think the first uh, view viewing of this uh, documentary is uh, September 30th at the Woodstock Film Festival. I think that's the first one, um, but I can't. I've only seen part of it. I
2: can't wait to see the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Well, and if you have, <clears throat> excuse me, if you haven't seen the documentary. The Wrecking Crew, which was done by Danny Tedesco, Ooh. and he is the son yeah. of Tommy Tedesco, who was a famous session musician in Los Angeles, uh, passed away many years ago, but uh, The Wrecking Crew was really a, a loving homage to his father, and I was wondering if he's going to do another another documentary film, so uh, what a neat uh, what a neat group of people to, because they the, all these guys were kind of the next generation. Uh, above after his father of session cats that were, were you know doing all of the stuff in the 70s and into the 80s and they were on so many records and so I'm sure that documentary is going to be great looking forward to it yeah well Jay when we do our show we uh, stand on the shoulders of giants as we like to say and we have to thank our sponsors because we are so so lucky to have the folks we have including um, our good friends at Banzoogle built by musicians for musicians Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music all the features you need for a professional website are already built in including hosting in a custom domain name dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding, and a fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send lose letters. I got to fix this page, Jay. Uh, social media integrations <laughs> and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go over to bandzoogle.com to try it free for 30 days and use the promo code Coffee, all one word, To get 15% off the first year of any subscription, that's Banzoogle.com, promo code MORNINGCOFFEE.
0: Yeah, and your morning coffee, the podcast, is also brought to you by our friends at HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. Edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton, thank you Bruce, with help from Alana Bonilla, Hypebot and sister blog, Music Think Tank, are published by live music discovery and marketing platform, Bands in Town. And speaking of Bands in Town, over 65 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist services platform connecting over 550,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own
2: dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Big thanks, Banzoogle, Hypod, and Bands in Town. And by my, the way, my Bands in Town app has been blowing up of all of the dates that are coming, which we're talking about all the different shows that are out on the road. Uh, and I get to do this show every week with the impossibly handsome Jay Gilbert. Uh, he is the co founder of music marketing and strategy company Label Logic. He's the curator of the Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive with. Universal Music, Sony Music, and Warner Music, and also Fox Home Entertainment, and I see through my little screen here that he has his Minnesota Vikings shirt on, because hope springs yeah. eternal when hope it comes springs to eternal. football, right? Yeah, yeah. and this guy sitting
0: across from me uh, virtually is longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music Groups. I forgot to mention
2: your name. It's Mike Etchart. <laughs> <laughs> you go. And I clearly had trouble keeping jobs, for crying out loud. <laughs> it was a wild and woolly time, Jay. It was a wild and no woolly judgment. time. judgment. There you go. Well, what do you say we jump into... Uh, this is actually good news. This first story from Music Biz Weekly. Spotify and fellow music streamers strike an agreement with publishers... For 15.35% go forward royalty rate in the United States. And
0: uh, yeah, and we've been talking about this quite a bit over the last few months. So, you know, the Copyright Royalty Board and kind of the, well, kind of the nastiness of this fight uh, going back <laughs> and forth. And I love the fact that they kind of put down their swords. And, you know, the rumor was that, you know, the publishers, you know, the NMPA, they were really pushing for 20%, was a rumor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the DSPs were pushing for something closer to 10%. And so there's this fight uh, going back and forth. And, uh, you know, setting this rate going forward for Phono Records 4 or CRB 4, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be this new rate, and uh, it's going to be for the next five years. So yep. it's. Uh, it's a beautiful thing for songwriters and for for publishers.
2: Yeah, this this is for the years twenty twenty three through twenty twenty seven. So it's going to set to get underway later this year. Um, yeah, it's really good news because, like you said, the first go round of this was really ugly. I mean, it was yeah, just it got a little nasty. It got, really did. But uh, this is this is. Uh, you know, and we, we what of course happens is that the major streamers are always kind of lowballing numbers because this goes directly to their bottom line. And we've talked many sure. many times uh, about this and how sort of appalling and galling it, it is that that you know building their business on you know songwriting. We talked, you know, when we had when we did our special uh, episode with Merck, Mercuratus. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this is this is this this ongoing discussion which is without the songs there is nothing without songwriters that create these wonderful songs that that make the business and you just sit there and grind them and you try to just it's just so awful but yet uh, yeah we, we kind of come... and,
0: and i don't i don't necessarily point the finger just at the digital service no. providers no, no, because no. most of them are really paying out know, nearly 70 percent of the revenue they take in which is very similar to itunes when downloads uh, were the main Mm -hmm. configuration um there's a it's difficult to slice up that pie and have everybody feel good about it um i think that everyone should participate you know even the record labels in making sure that the uh the songwriters are taken care of so what this article and i think this is from tim ingham uh from music business worldwide um He points out that all three parties are submitting a joint proposal to the CRB. So this isn't locked in yet, but probably will be. Mm -hmm. And that new proposal suggests that the new um, on-demand streaming mechanical rate in the U.S. for 2023, as you mentioned, through 2027, should be set at 15.35%. Now, right now, it it was just negotiated to 15.1%. So we're not talking about a huge increase, um, so I think that was one of the reasons that made it so everybody could agree. So in a joint announcement that was uh, you know, announced last week, the music publishers and the digital services said, and I quote, that the 15.35% agreement will provide higher royalty rates for songwriters and music publishers. It'll promote sustainability, innovation, and continued investment for the entire industry and usher in a new era of collaboration between all
2: parties and I think that is a good thing and is key here. And let us all sing kumbaya just for once. <laughs> Please. As it said, note, uh, noting that the the suggested 15.35% rate would be phased in over the five-year term as part of the proposal, an NMPA, DEMA, and NSAI press release issued today further explains the deal also includes a number of changes to other components of the rate, including increases to the per subscriber minimums and the total content costs which are the acronym ah, TCC, the TCC, calculations which reflect the rates that services pay to record labels. As streaming services continue to innovate to deliver songwriters' works to growing numbers of paying fans, the agreement also modernizes the treatment of bundles of products or services that include music streaming and updates how services can offer incentives to attract new subscribers. Into the music ecosystem. So what's interesting, yeah. I think, is that you know we all focus kind of on the on the number. In this case, fifteen point three five percent. But it sounds like there's some, a little more to it. There's a little bit more going on underneath that might really kind of hopefully benefit songwriters even further besides just the rate. So yeah, um, I think
0: that's an important point. Yeah, and you know I told you when I was at the Music Business Association conference. In Nashville, I had a chance to sit down and have coffee with uh, DEMA President um, and CEO Garrett Levin. Mm-hmm. What a great guy! I and mean, he's uh, he's a music fan first. Yeah, we just talked music. You know, he was he's such a great guy. Anyway, he was quoted in this article as saying that this agreement represents the commitment of the streaming services. To bring you know the best music experiences to fans and growing the streaming ecosystem, and I think that's care, uh, key to to benefit all stakeholders, including the creative foundation
2: of songwriting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, and then the NMPA president and CEO David Israelite. Uh, said this historic settlement is the result of songwriters making their voices heard. Instead of going to trial and continuing years of conflict, we instead move forward in collaboration with the highest rates ever guaranteed. We thank the digital services for coming to the table and treating creators as business partners. Critically, since this is a percentage rate, we know that as streaming continues to grow exponentially, we will see unprecedented value of songs. That's an understatement. Yeah, a doubt. I
0: think that is amazing. And just to put a fine point on this piece, you'll remember that this is CRB4, CRB3 or Phono Records 3, we've been talking about uh, that negotiation. And that was the one that really increased um, what the songwriters and publishers get. So, all in all on these last two proceedings, you know, it's a historic, almost 44%, uh, pay increase. Um, and that, that is phenomenal. The, the progress that we've made in, in just a short period of time.
2: Yeah. 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 That's, that's really great news. But, you know, again, this is, these, these are the, uh, this is money for the people that make the magic and, Continue yes, to make the magic. So if they're getting more money, then I am happy. But, to, you know, whenever I read these things, I still come back to, and we've talked about this so much on the podcast, which is why are streaming uh, monthly monthly rates so cheap relative to all the other digital platforms and services we all subscribe to? And, um, you know, it, it's part of this uh, this kind of back and forth um, frustration between each side is that they're working under this umbrella where they have not raised subscription rates for so, so long, you know, 10, 15, 12 years. It's been forever yeah. that there's been a, a race. So I wonder if that's going to be coming in the near future, if if we'll finally right. get a bump yeah. up in in subscription service. Well, I think this is an evolution of all of these
0: things mm-hmm. that we've been talking about, whether it's the DSPs and, you know, what they charge and the different tiers and different bundles. And it's it's not as simple as just saying we need to pay songwriters more. Um, you know, okay. it's it's a zero-sum game in, in some aspects. So it's going to take some creativity and some smart people mm-hmm. to look at this whole ecosystem, which you know, basically is set on you know, piano rolls almost 100 years ago. And so <laughs> exactly. we're making progress. It's slow. Oh, no, no, but, no. Uh, I, yeah,
2: I, I, I am throwing up the victory flag right now, and I'm, I'm happily seeing this. And, and again, the fact that they it, without the, the knockdown drag-out drama that the last round was it's nice to see this one kind of come together so very exciting good stuff good stuff exactly um all right let's move on to the next one this one's also very interesting and this (laughs) i I had to read this one twice um from this is from Hypebot. fake musicians inside a million dollar instagram verification uh scheme and oh my god (laughs) Well, this just illustrates, you know, some of the ways
0: that people are trying to game the system. Yes. We talk about people buying likes, um, buying followers, buying streams, and that that's a big problem. Um, and this is something I hadn't really looked into, and it's really based on an article from ProPublica uh, with the same headline. Um, so... Uh, Our friends over at, you know, at Hypebot, Bruce Houghton, Mm -hmm. uh, mainly, you know, kind of put together this recap of what the
2: heck is going on over there. And, It's really kind of creepy. It is. The article starts with with saying hundreds of people, including a doctor, a jeweler, a crypto entrepreneur, and two reality show TV stars (laughs) were involved in a multi-million scheme. I think he meant dollar scheme. uh, To falsely get verified as musicians on Instagram. This is according to a ProPublica investigation. Uh, The hope of those who paid around $25,000 each for false Instagram verification was that the little blue badge... Would lead to lucrative endorsements and social status. Um, I mean, they, which means Mm. they have to, they had to spend a lot of money to try to make a lot of money uh, in this scam. Uh, Two of those accounts were for Mike Vasquez and Lexi uh, Salema, both stars of the MTV reality show Siesta Key, who instead of getting verified for their TV work were falsely branded online as musicians just so that they could receive verification. Amongst these other folks, a plastic surgeon, Dr. Martin uh, Jugendberg, whose previous attempt to become an influencer led to a six-month suspension of his Ontario medical license after he admitted to filming patients and sharing it online. Without their uh, consent. Oh my God. Reward. On Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, and more than a dozen sponsored posts scattered across the net. However, his past was eclipsed by his persona as Dr. J, or I'm sorry, DJ Dr. Six. six, six. That's what it is. It was <laughs> yeah, the number DJ six. DJ Dr. Six. Yes, so the, the number six with IX after a, a supposed house music producer who celebrated for his inherent instinctual ability for music composition. Oh my God. Read that again. That's amazing. <laughs> this was his
0: inherent instinctual, instinctual ability. ability
2: for music composition uh, yeah however- it goes
0: on to say yeah his music is not worth <laughs> listening to right and almost no one did but it was enough to get a verification badge you know for his instagram account and this is the part that's important is that the scheme likely generated millions in revenue for its operators yeah that is crazy. You know, we, we've seen some of these scams and we've reported on some of these scams. And we, we should point out that Instagram has deleted or removed those verification badges from at least 300 false accounts since this ProPublica investigation.
2: And I'll be honest, I didn't really understand the whole thing about badges. Um, <laughs> But you talk about it again, everybody wants to be famous and rich and they will stop at nothing. It says, uh, and by the way, the, the, the writers for ProPublica, uh, Craig Silverman and Bianca Fortis are the ones that, that kind of got the ball rolling on this. Um, It says the people running the scheme also purchased articles promoting fake artists and their music on websites, including hip hop publications like The Source and This Is 50.com, a music and culture site affiliated with 50 Cent. Uh, They often bought fake comments and likes for clients' Instagram posts to make the accounts look popular and purchased fake streams (laughs) for songs on Spotify, according to two sources with direct knowledge of the operation. One source said some clients were told to rent a recording studio and post photos on Instagram that made it look like they were working on music. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, God. it wasn't so appalling. It, 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 it's, oh, God. It says, you can make a Spotify account or Apple Music account and boost the streams and get fake music press very cheap. It's quick and easy, a source of So let's look first. at what
0: what they were doing. They, they were, you know, trying to get this false, well, falsely uh, earned verification badge by buying likes follows streams, gaming the search, mm-hmm. you know, with fake articles. And I mean, they were pulling out all the stops. And, and so ProPublica kind of lays out, like, how does false verification work? And I'll take the first step, yeah. which is, A client creates content showing them in designer clothing or luxury locations or in a recording studio to make them look like a musician.
2: Right. Spotify and Apple Music profiles are created for the client, basic songs are uploaded with album art, and fake streams are purchased to make their songs appear popular. So those paid articles about the client's songs are
0: published to add further, quote-unquote, legitimacy.
2: (laughs) The client posts their lifestyle and music content, spacing it out over time. Engagement in the form of likes, comments, and followers are purchased for the posts, providing evidence of popularity. Wow. Google search engine indexes the
0: client's music and those articles, then automatically generates that knowledge panel, you know, off to the right side. Mm-hmm. And that knowledge panel is what brand, brands the person as a
2: musical artist when someone searches for their name. God. In final preparation for verification, the client edits their Instagram bio, f- bio feed and highlights to emphasize their musical career. Fake career. Uh,
0: and then the last step is the client's Instagram account is submitted to Meta, uh, you know, which is the, the parent company. company of Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook. Um, it's it's submitted to Meta for verification. If everything goes as planned, they get that blue check,
2: verification check. And Bob's your own crazy, one, right? Oh, my God. At yeah. the beginning, you're, you know, you it's just... So these are people that, I mean, this is a doctor that's trying to scam this. These are people who are already sort of reality show people. It's like, my God, have you no shame? I mean, it's, it's, it's just so like, sleazy <laughs> and so... But here's the thing, Mike.
0: It's not hard to see... When people are trying to game these yes. systems, anybody uh, worth their weight, you know, whether it's at a label, distributor, management company, they know to look at platforms. Uh, whether it's something as simple as Spotify for artists, or you're going in to use, let's say, Vibrate the uh, the data panel uh, or platform. You know, they have a chart that shows your audience growth, and then right underneath it is engagement. And if you have a spike in audience growth over a week or two. And you don't have any engagement. That's a red flag. Yeah. Because typically, when you're getting those new followers, they're going to be engaged somehow, and and so some of these things are pretty easy to figure out. And I love the fact that Instagram went back and eliminated
2: 300 of yeah. of these things. Yeah. And there's a picture of DJ Doctor Six. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't notice it there. It's like oh my oh, god. Man. It's wow. just it's I mean it's just it's it's sort of um. Uh you know, it's just like, oh my god. I just it's so embarrassing, I guess, what it is. It's like really you want that. DJ Doctor I know. It's like <laughs> dude, you're <laughs> Look a, at him. He's sitting there with he looks like a I don't know,
0: a forty year old white dude wearing a baseball cap and glasses eating yeah. a pizza or something.
2: It's it's not like <laughs> It's, it's got the most street cred no, that I've ever seen. No, it's 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 anti street cred without a doubt. Well, <laughs> I, you know, as we've talked about so many times, if if there's if there's an ecosystem, somebody will try to game it no matter what. And um, yeah, this is a particularly yeah. egregious um, uh, telling of of people that were trying to do it. But I'm sure yeah. there's more things, and we will continue to chat about this. Yes. But it's yes, we will. So and if you bad. want
0: to read the deep
2: dive, and it is a deep dive that you talked to.
0: Talked about by Craig Silverman and uh, Bianca Fortis over at ProPublica. Um, there's a link to it in that story, and it's it goes into the details if if you're interested in this stuff. But uh, you know, you give someone a system today, and there's always
2: going to be someone who's going to try to scam it. Yes, exactly. All right, uh, our next story, Jay from Digital Music News: How to get signed to a record label. Oh my God, In 2022. Um, and it's really—I mean, it's a—it's a good article, and I would say it's actually a—a a really good primer, primer uh, for for anybody that wants to be successful in the music industry. Forget trying yeah. to get a record label deal, but it's stuff that yeah. to to obviously consider if you're an artist or you're working with artists on how to do it. Right. And in, yeah. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, what, what's, what's it like being signed to a major label today? It's way different than it was in our era. Oh, and right. You have to really make that decision. Is it worth your time to even pursue that? But all the steps yeah. along, along the way are super important to consider. To, to well, let's consider. talk about the
0: guy who wrote this. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes by Gaetano and he's an artist. He has music out, um, but he's also uh, a writer. Um, If you read his bio, he says, I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, and guitarist from the Bronx, New York. As a part-time contributor to digital music news, I share some of my hard-learned lessons about the fast-evolving music industry. And I'm just going to read you a few headlines of some pieces that he's written. And a lot of these were in your morning coffee. Um, In addition to the one we're talking about today, how to get signed to a record label, he wrote, How I learned to hate the phrase blue-eyed soul, uh, what to do when SoundCloud removes your music, dating a musician isn't easy, just ask a musician, Um, and then five music industry schemes that still exploit artists. So I really enjoy this guy's uh, writing, uh, Gaetano, uh, really great stuff. And this covers something that you and I talk about frequently, about getting signed by a record label. It used to be when we were growing up, playing in bands and playing in live shows and things, that was kind of the dream, Mm -hmm. was to get signed by a record label and then Everything, all your problems would be solved. It's a, it's a whole new ecosystem today. But he, I love this piece because it, it goes into, do you really deserve to be signed or should mm-hmm. you be signed? Are you at the level to be signed? And what labels look for when signing artists?
2: Yeah. He starts by saying, you know, the reality of getting signed today, record labels are like venture capitalists and indie musicians are a startup company. The investor will provide financial resources and exclusive connections to artists with high growth potential, and that was bolded, in exchange for an equity stake. Depending on the type of record deal you sign, that equity stake can total 50 to 90% of a signed artist's earnings, but perhaps it still beats the $25,000 median annual salary (laughs) of an indie musician. And by the way, that seems... uh, That seems a little high, to be honest. It
0: might be. He goes on to say that the bottom line is that record companies will only sign you if they believe they can profit from you. It's the music business, right? Even if you're worthy of a record deal, there's a lot more competition today with 4,000 monthly Google searches for terms like how to get a record deal and how to get signed by a record label. You kind of have to ask yourself... How would I stack up against those other
2: four thousand artists? Yeah, good point. And you know, he's he's he goes on to say, you know, if you're desperate to get signed, it won't happen. He says, as the saying goes, don't try to get signed; try to get popular first. But it's true, and it's as you know, the uh, the, I will make an obvious statement, which is getting a record deal is the easy part. It's it's then making it happen once you've been signed, of course, and. And again, things happen, and if you happen to, even if you put out a great album, guess what? Another great album might even, a greater album might, might happen roughly the same time that that album hits for the same label and suddenly you're competing with other artists on that label for the internal attention for the internal marketing dollars so boy it is only so many priorities that's exactly right every release is not a priority i can guarantee you that
0: i think i think the misconception sometimes is that a label is just a bank Mm -hmm. and it's much more than that um you know, we're not going to bash labels because we've worked for labels. Um, if you get a good label, they've got a global reach of people, um, evangelists, and the, the marketing that goes behind it and the relationships. They can move mountains. Um, but what he points out here is, um, in addition to what you just said is he says the funny thing about getting a record deal is that you already need to be doing the things a major label would help you accomplish. Yes. Artists who get record deals usually don't need a label. That's the irony of getting signed. And I hear this every week uh, from my friends at labels they're not just looking for that TikTok uh, star that just broke out. They're looking you know, like it's that Warner Music book we, we talked about. Mm-hmm. Those, it's that mentality in the early days where they're looking for a lineup around the block. They're looking for someone who's already got a social following, that already has streaming numbers, that's already got a little bit of a tour history that's playing uh, live regularly. So you build your own fire, and a good label will throw gasoline on it but they're
2: not going to start your fire typically. Right. And don't forget they want you to be uh, it's in the label's best interest to make you a catalog artist. We've talked about how important catalog is. And that doesn't mean you get to release one album and go bye-bye. They want they want to create catalog artists because it's all about the catalog. So It's a business. <laughs> it's a business exactly. Um uh so you know as we so he he's actually got 10 steps to get signed to a record label in 2022. Um but again this is really just sort of nuts and bolts about what you should really be doing to build your your artist stature and to to do the right things which is what in the old days labels did but that those things have kind of changed a little bit they're they're really looking to as we've talked about a number of times they're really great at taking a campfire and making it a forest fire absolutely and we talk about artist managers and it really started with
0: people like uh, Irving Azoff Mm -hmm. and Howard Kaufman and some of those folks, and now kind of the next generation, you know, Jonathan Daniel, people who look at the business as managers and then started taking over the roles and responsibilities that were traditionally from a label. And they, you know, they partner with really great labels, but they know their strengths and their weaknesses. But you had mentioned that this article is really was has 10 steps to get signed by a record label in 2022. And I'd like to kind of walk through those because, again, it's evolving and changing. We like to say it's it's changed while we've been having this conversation, right? So <laughs> the first one is don't quit your day job until you can afford to go all in. And I think that's really, really smart because... You know, you shouldn't go broke to pursue your dream as a a rapper, for for example. But let's face it, you need stability. If you don't have the money, you won't be able to invest in advancing your music career. How will you pay for things like recording costs, music production fees, mixing and mastering, equipment, music videos, you know, just overall marketing, promotion, merch, etc., etc.? There's a lot of expense that goes into that. And that's why some of these artists that already have a base that are already touring and already building their audience, they have that revenue to sort of uh, draw from. So I think that that first one should you you know, don't quit your day job. Uh, I think that is really good advice.
2: Well, and you know the the article starts about talking just some some very pragmatic things in terms of of what labels are and what they're looking for in artists, and this is much the same advice as if you're you're starting your own business. You know, which is Do you have it, you know, do you, whatever, if you're working for a company and you, do you quit that to start? Well, well, maybe you do, but, but maybe you, you need the money for that startup business and you need to keep working. So the, the, the more you think about your career being a business, the better off you're going to be for sure. Uh, he also talks about, you know, be realistic. Are you signable? Is it you know? Be honest with yourself and ask certain questions. Do I have mass market appeal? Do I have my own unique style of music? Do I have the star qualities that a label looks for? Um, is this really a music, Is this a career opportunity or an expensive hobby? And we know from experience, Jay, that it's an expensive hobby <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, do you know how to effectively market yourself online? Do you you know, do you know what to do when you get momentum going? Can you write hit songs? Are you a content creation machine? Because, boy, that's so important now. It's not just to Absolutely. Be, you're not just a songwriter. You're not just a performer. You are a content creator. And that means a lot more now than it did in our era. Are you brandable? Do you have a memorable artist name for out loud are your social media accounts engaging uh do you are your live shows on point boy and that's another huge one um yeah. and how does your music compare to artists that are already signed so these are wow. these are hard questions to, and to be i mean in at least in my experience it's rare the artist that has that um ability to honestly look at themselves and and their skill set to answer a lot of these questions. Right. And
0: are there exceptions? You know, that lightning in a bottle, one in a million artists. Yeah. But, uh, that's rare. And I think this, this article is just so well written about the things that you have to consider. The, the, the third one is learn how to write hit records. It's a meritocracy. It's Mm -hmm. this, you know, we talk about that Jonathan Daniel quote, very often and I'll repeat it again you know if you give me a great song my job is easy you give me a good song my job is impossible yeah and so number three learn how to write hit records this is the music business and it's all about hit songs right so consider your approach to music releases are you going to do singles EPs albums what are you going to do how will you find music producers you know home studio versus a pro studio what about mixing and mastering you know, um, which digital distributor are you going to work with? Keep in mind that you don't necessarily have to be signed to a label in order to become a successful songwriter. I think number three should have probably been number one if yes. you're prioritizing, but it is, it's crucial. You know, you have to write hit songs.
2: Well, and I would do an asterisk to that. Um, and I would say that you also need to, um, uh, aggressively find collaborators because if we as we have seen now the, the the process of 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 successful songwriters for the most part is now not a single endeavor one person sitting and certainly lots of people do do that but when you look at the songs on any chart these are collaborative efforts oftentimes yeah. with 7 8 songwriter, songwriters songwriters co-songwriting a, a track so that is now such a, a I mean, there's always been elements of that, but it is so crucial now. And, you know, it's again, it's the specialization that has that come into. So you have people that, that's expertise are in hooks and choruses and all this other stuff. And that actually leads to another thing, which is learn music production. Um, I'm a huge Todd Rundgren fan. And, you know, there were a handful of artists uh, in our era when we were kids that you would look, and it was such a rare thing. It's like, ooh, they knew how to they had their own studio in their house and they, they would make records by themselves. Well, guess what? That is really <clears throat> now the way it is done. And so learning music production, the more you learn about the music creation process, the more signable you become. Why? Because the more skills you can bring to the table, the more appealing you'll become to a record label. You might get not signed as an artist, but you could earn a production deal if you have serious skills. And it's so much easier now. So as they see, as they say, learn how to make beats on your own. This also saves you money on producer's fees. Learn about DAWs, that's Digital Audio Workstations, and the basics of how they work. And not only that, learn how to track vocals and learn these I would say the, the the big three, which is Pro Tools, Logic and Ableton Live. Learn the basics of mixing, mastering plugins and the new music production technologies. And as a bonus, learn how to play a musical instrument like piano or guitar at a basic level, which is kind of funny to me because in our day, you started with that, you know, like, right? You gotta learn Not to so video. much today. Not so much today. You know? know, we
0: we covered a story a while back. There was an artist that blew up on TikTok, and they brought her into the studio. She'd never seen a real instrument or studio yeah. before because you can produce things, um, you know, on a computer with loops and beats and samples Mm -hmm. and all sorts of things. So I think that's really great advice, you know, learning to do that stuff because history is full of people like Tom Schultz from Boston, you know, this Mm -hmm. mastermind or, and even today, you know, Tobias from ghost, these people, you know, the Brian Wilsons of the world, you know, that uh, it's, it's super important to learn all of that stuff that you just mentioned. Number five is learn the business side of music. And this is so important Um, You'd be surprised. And you brought this up when we were meeting with uh, Apple in the studio recently where there are executives and staffers at major music companies that don't know how a record is made. I know. it, And it's crucial to learn the business side of how you make a record and how you uh, you know what everybody's roles and responsibilities are. Uh, with that. And I always recommend uh, a few books and I'll, and I'll do it again. You know, the Braybeck brothers have this great book on the business side and how to monetize your music career. Donald Passman, of course, you know, his, his books are amazing and everybody in the music industry practically owns, you know, his books, but this new 10th edition is by far the best one because it covers more of the digital world. Mm -hmm. And you and I rave about, you know, our, our friend, Will page with Tarzan economics. And then the last one that I think is just a must have is Mike Warner's book, um, work hard playlist. So covering the business side of music, um, he states that you really have to learn the role of all the people and things that will be involved in your music career. Things like, you know, learn the role of a music manager, a music agent, you know, music attorney, a publicist, you know, you need to learn about the roles of streaming platforms like, you know, Apple Music, Pandora, Deezer, Spotify, etc. Um, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We did this deep dive that Billboard did on uh, digital distribution. And it says, learn the role of digital distribution. Things like TuneCore, DistroKids, CD Baby, etc. You know, and then talk about, you know, or learn about, I should say, you know, the PROs mm-hmm. like BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, GMR. Learn the role of music publishing companies. You know, what do they do? What are their roles and responsibilities? What about sound exchange? Learn about artist royalties and songwriter royalties. And and learn the role of sync licensing. You know, we, we talk about that quite a bit. And then the last thing he said that you should learn about are copyrights and, and trademarks. But all of these things that we just mentioned are crucial to your business. And those managers and artists that I see today that are succeeding, they have a better understanding of all of these things that we're pointing out and that Gaetano wrote in this wonderful piece for a digital music.
2: Yeah. And of course, if you are considering... You know, trying to get a label deal, you got to learn the different types of record deals that are out there. And by the way, that is something that has changed dramatically over the last call it two decades. You know there's there's all kinds of different flavors of what a record deal is. There's a 360 record deal, the the what we would call the traditional or conventional record record deal. There's a distribution deal, a singles deal, an EP deal, a licensing deal, publishing deals, production deals. There's all kinds of different flavors now that a potential record deal could come in. He also do, sends a link to a video from Financial Times to talk about the, the inner workings of how record deals work. So it's a, yeah. it's a really great resource there as well. This is one of those
0: articles that you and I talk about that you need to print out. Yes. You need to have this you know, on your desk and refer to it and make notes. Um, I don't know if there's anybody in the music industry that knows every detail of all of these points You know, so don't feel stupid if you don't. You know, my grandfather had this great saying that, you know, an idiot is someone who doesn't know what you just found out, (laughs) right? So So, just educate yourself. Don't feel stupid if you don't know some of these things. Nobody does uh, all of these. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but not many. You know, everybody has holes in their education. Um, Number seven, learn how to monetize your music career. This is crucial. You know, it's the music business. So how do you make money from music. Well, he lists, you know, 10 things that you should learn about, you know, song placements, meaning sync licensing, uh performance royalties, uh mechanical royalties, uh digital album and song sales, um live shows, uh you know, he says sales, but we also include streaming in that, um selling merch, um songwriting and producing for other artists, uh brand partnerships, um influencer and affiliate marketing. And then, you know, offering exclusive fan club memberships, you know, like Patreon, OnlyFans, you know, things like that. There are so many different ways. And listen, these are 10, but that uh, Braybeck, uh, the Braybeck Brothers uh, book about uh, monetizing your music career is the best because they go into every single aspect of things like... uh, Like ridiculous things like uh, licensing your music for these musical toothbrushes
2: they have. You know, it's all the obvious things and then maybe some things that you haven't thought of. Right, exactly. They also mentioned uh, master the art of online marketing and music promotion. Yes, indeed. It's perhaps the most important skill you can learn as an upcoming artist or musician because it's a transferable skill that can apply to any business. Absolutely. So, you know, as he says, how do you do that? you got to know your audience. You know, gimmicks, do you have one? Content creation... Again, this is kind of what we've talked about, too, over the, over the, uh, the span of, of doing this podcast, which is, you know, there's so many things besides songwriting now that is important for an artist, and, and that is, you know, the the video content, the all the things you can do that under the big umbrella of content creation, social media, playlists, websites, do you need one, press coverage, radio, search engine optimization... Organic versus paid. Will you pay to play or grow organically or leverage a mix of both? So many things you have to consider. I mean, it's overwhelming. It really is. And it's, you know, as we've talked about so many times, the good news is you don't need a label. All of these things you can do or have somebody do on your behalf. There it is. But it's so much to know and learn. That's what I was going to say, Mike,
0: is that you don't have to know publicity. You can hire a publicist at some point, hopefully. You don't need to know all the details, but you should be knowledgeable at least at what it is and you know what people's roles and responsibilities are. So don't feel overwhelmed um, because there are smart people out there that you can bring onto your team that can help you with these areas. And number nine is master the art of networking. And I can't tell you how important this is. You know, a couple of my artists do this thing that I absolutely love. They keep a Google doc when they're on tour of everybody they meet you know, at the radio station, at the venue, wherever it is, and what their name is, their email address, what their wife's name is or their dog or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they keep in contact with them. Um, my business partner, Jeff Moscow, has this thing where he reaches out to people when he doesn't need anything. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant. He'll just reach out. Hey, Mike, what's going on? You know how the kids... You know, are things going on? Just checking in, seeing how things are going. And it's sincere and it keeps that relationship alive. And then, you know, maybe sometime he does need a little bit of help. Hey, can you help me with this thing? Someone's more apt to help if that person isn't always, you know, asking for something. So master the art of networking. And he has some quick tips and I won't go through all the detail, but basically the high level thing is, you know, make a good first impression. And he says the sauce is in the follow up absolutely yeah. uh, be consistent be specific he talks a little bit about timing you know when do you shoot that shot you know going around roblox and then finally you know being aware of the scams but the more i read through this article the more uh i think this is just one of the best pieces i've ever read or posted in your morning coffee um because he's taking the emotion out of it and he's just saying look these are the things that you're going
2: to encounter in your music career. He's got this great line under Master the Art of Networking, which is, you need to imagine that when you approach someone, they are a bank account. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crass, but it's, <laughs> but it's kind of true. And, and I would oh, yeah. say number, t- number 10 could have been number one, and that's develop a killer live show. You know, because it, it it for many things it starts with that. The primary purpose of performing live is not to get signed. However, it can increase the odds of being noticed by label A and R's. But the primary purpose really is to connect with your audience and fans in a way that's more meaningful than doing it online. Um, you know, and yeah. I just think that's and to really build good it right, and not just
0: connect it, with your audience, you know? but you know, how many times have we gone to shows and seen a great opening band and we're hooked. Yes, yes. It's happened
2: many times. And when you're playing live, you know, it's, as one of the tips he mentions is don't always expect to make money. And I think that's a really important part. There are certainly opportunities to play live when you just never know what connections you're going to make. And that's been true for the, you know, for the years that I've been playing live. It's, it's, it's amazing, you know, when you do a a solid like that, that sometimes good things come your way. So, really interesting article. And again, it's, it's, it's under the headline of how to get signed to a record label in 2022 or a 2022 update but this is just so many common sense things if you're an artist out there to to be aware of not necessarily be an expert at but at least to to consider all of these things because it's so complex far more complex than it was you know in the in the days when when getting signed to a label oftentimes was really the end goal and it's it, it yeah. can be now, but it may not necessarily be. So, yeah, very. Print uh, this thing out, very, print it, it out. And send a nice little
0: thank you note to Guy Tano, um, uh, who wrote this for Digital Music News. Absolutely fantastic piece, Gaetano. Cheers. We, we appreciate exactly. you.
2: exactly. Well, and as we wrap up this show, I do want to thank our wonderful sponsors, Bandzoogle, Hypebot and Bands and Townboy. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, Jay, I'm uh, once we stop hitting record, I'm going to go and turn my air conditioner up because I can, I'm already getting hot in the room here. It's time <laughs> to close up the house. Yeah, and... <laughs> stay cool, brother. Yes, I will do that. Enjoy so, the holiday weekend, too. Oh, yes, it is. It's a three-day weekend, so uh, we. I'm going to enjoy that. And I want to thank everyone for listening into the podcast. Jay and I certainly appreciate it. So on behalf of the famously handsome Jay Gilbert and myself. I want to say thank you. And we will see you next week on the Your Morning Coffee podcast.
1: You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.